Hello and welcome to the Evolution of Business podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Brady, and I'm here today with Ebony Miller-Wesley. Ebony is the director of Rochester Institute of Technology's Center for Urban Entrepreneurship, the Q. The Q is located on the first floor of the RIT Downtown Center in the former historic Rochester Savings Bank building at 40 Franklin Street. They provide business and consulting services to urban entrepreneurs or anyone who has an existing business or is hoping to launch a new business within the urban area. Ebony leads the center's efforts to raise funds to provide critical assistance to underserved businesses in high-growth sectors and foster outreach and collaboration with the Rochester City School District and entrepreneurship education for dislocated workers. She also maintains partnerships with entrepreneurship and training efforts currently found within RIT's Simone Center for Student Innovation and Entrepreneurship, Venture Creations Incubator, as well as other community, government, and economic development organizations. Prior to joining RIT, Ebony worked as program coordinator at the Urban League of Rochester's Minority and Women Business Development Division, where she assisted entrepreneurs with growing their businesses and aspiring entrepreneurs with identifying their needs. She's also a 2016 Rochester Business Journal 40 Under 40 honoree, a 2015 alum of Leadership Rochester, and a member of the 2013 class of the African American Leadership Development Program. Welcome, Ebony. Happy to have you here today. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for having me. So, Ebony, I was trying to think back because we've known each other for a while now, uh, and, and I first met you through the Capacity Building Program. Really, it was, it was before even you had moved to Franklin Street. The, the Center for Urban Entrepreneurship was an idea without a, without a physical location. Uh, we actually were, were having those first programs at, at Brockport's uh, REOC Center. Um, so that was the capacity building program, was that kind of the, the beginning of this, of this Center for Urban Entrepreneurship, or how did things get started? So that is absolutely correct. The capacity building program was our, our first program that we offered through the center. And as you mentioned, we were utilizing space at SUNY REOC. Since then, we have um, now moved into our own space. Um, we moved into our own space in September of 2015. And as you mentioned, we're located um on Franklin Street, uh, which is the old Rochester Savings Bank building. So now um, that's where we run our program and services out of. Um, and currently we have shared workspace, we have meeting rooms, we have classroom space. And within that, we offer mentoring and one-on-one consulting. Uh, we have our capacity building program that you mentioned, which is an example of customized training. We also offer general education programs, which are typically just workshops that anyone can attend, regardless of what phase they are in their business. Um, And those workshops are offered throughout the year. And uh, we develop those based on uh, the local needs. So assessing those needs through our partnering organization and finding out um, where the gaps exist and gravitating towards those. And we also look at what's trending nationally. So let's take April, for example, April's National Financial Literacy Month. So it makes sense for us to offer financial workshops during the month of April. So uh, that's pretty much what we're doing uh, in a nutshell. So, you know, as you can see, things have evolved greatly since uh, we were operating out of SUNY REOC. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot to uh, the Center for Urban Entrepreneurship, and and it's really a, a hub. There's there's so many things you have going on. I'm sure we could spend several podcast episodes going through uh, all of your programs, but let's start, because it was, was your first, let's start with that capacity building program. What kind of uh, learnings are people having there? What kind of uh, people are you targeting? To, to take us through what that curriculum is like. So the capacity building program is geared towards entrepreneurs that are seeking growth stimulation. So whether that that means they're looking to um, increase their product offerings, increase their consumer base, um, 
secure additional uh, funding. Um, we address it through this program. It's a six-month program. They meet twice per month over the course of six months. There is a $250, $250 cost associated uh, with that uh, program. Um, and the business owners go through several different modules that are deemed necessary for growth stimulation, including but not limited to sales, marketing, branding, human resources for small business, the business model canvas, leadership, um, etc. And uh, we are currently entering the fourth cohort of that program. So after the first of the year, we'd like to um, bring in another cohort of entrepreneurs that are looking to grow. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think that it's definitely, I've seen a little bit of the programming anyways firsthand and for two hundred and fifty dollars, it's it's really a steal. But that's part of the that's part of the whole idea, right? Is is to stimulate the the urban entrepreneurs that may not have access to some of the more traditional accelerators or, or programs. So so where are you going to to find these entrepreneurs? How are you filling your your capacity building program? So uh, word of mouth, uh, marketing. Um, going to different events where I'm asked to speak um, and, and entrepreneurs that come to us seeking uh, advice, oftentimes you will find that they fit within the qualifications of that program and will recommend uh, that particular program for them. And one of the things that I did not mention is that the entrepreneurs must be in business for a year or more and, and have some revenue in order to qualify for that program. So it's not for someone that's just in the idea phase. Okay. It's a business that is you know, that has made some money and they're looking to move to the next phase. So if someone has maybe started a business at this point and they're, they're maybe struggling to grow or struggling to remain profitable, give us an idea what, what kinds of businesses. I, I remember when, when I came in to do some, some of your leadership programming, I remember that there was a, a barber shop. You know, what, what kinds of businesses have you, have you dealt with? So um, pretty much various. Um, so we've had uh, businesses that were in um, uh, typically service businesses, but we've had um, someone that came to us with a theater background. Um, we've had um, a brewery come to us. We've had a cidery come to us, um, cleaning businesses. Um, so um, they come from different ends of the spectrum. Hmm. So if, if someone has one of these businesses, they've been open a year or more, they, they've got some revenue, um, they, they may be going into this capacity building program. They, they may be a good fit. But it sounds like whether or not that's the case, they can just come to you just for, for general advice and kind of get an overview of, of the ecosystem. So, so people can come in for, for consulting services. Is, is there a cost to that or, or how, do, how do they go about doing that? So absolutely not. There is no cost associated with coming to us and sitting down and allowing us to triage your needs. So what does that mean? Um, well, for us, it's no cookie cutter method. So we deal with the business as an individual. So the next steps depends on where they currently are within their business idea uh, within uh, their business growth. Uh, we look at each person that walks through that door as an individual. So there's no cookie cutter method um, with how we um, offer our services. Okay. So there's there's a capacity building program. It sounds like you also do some kind of one-off workshops to for, for those that may be struggling, like you said, you know, maybe the, the financials or something like that, mm-hmm. where they can really develop in, in one specific area. Um, what, what are the range of, of workshops that, you, that you've had in the past or maybe that are coming up? Okay, so coming up, we have a couple workshops. So we'll have a, a couple financial workshops in April. We'll also have a workshop called Looking Back, you know, so 
tax season is upon us. And we have a lot of businesses that don't realize they have a problem until, let's say, February or March. So, you know, we, we find ourselves trying to help them get out of that situation. But but what's next? Uh, we want to see them again. We don't want them to be in the same situation the following year. So we're going to be offering a workshop called Looking Back. Looking back at your books. Looking back at your inventory. Looking back at the mistakes you made. And plan um, so that you don't have those, make those same mistakes in the following year. Interesting. Okay. So that's just an example of of one of the workshops um, that we have coming up. We just had a workshop on demand, you know, really identifying demand. Okay. You have this business, um, but how do you identify whether or not there's a need for what you're offering? So really helping um, business owners look at the market. Um, In addition to that, we also uh, recently had a business plan workshop. So as you can see, our workshops vary based on what we're seeing um, from people coming in to meet with us, people that are meeting with our partnering organizations, and um, really planning our um, program and service offerings according to that. Okay, so now uh, I'm thinking maybe for, for those who may not qualify for the capacity building program, either they don't have revenue, they haven't been in business long enough, um, are there are some of those other programs more more open? You know, maybe I just want to start a business or I'm thinking about it or I'm trying to test the market. Are, are there programs for people who maybe just have an idea? Absolutely. So the, the programs that I just mentioned to you are considered general education programs and anyone can, t- can attend those programs regardless of where they are um, within their business idea or business um, that they're currently running. Regardless of where they are, what stage they're in, they can come to those workshops. Okay. And what about, you know, the Center for Urban Entrepreneurship is in your name. Does it have to be, uh, do you have to live or does your business have to be in the city limits? Are there any other kind of qualifications like that? Absolutely not. We will serve anyone. We don't turn anyone away. But does that mean that you're uh, immediately going to become a client? Not necessarily. But what it means is that we're going to sit down, we're going to talk to you, um, and we're going to figure out where you'd be best fit. So that's where our partnering organization organizations come into play. Um, So really staying apprised of what they're offering um, and being able to provide our clients with the or the entrepreneurs that come to us with the necessarily necessary resources that will fit their needs at that time. So, for example, um, you know, we might have a client that come to us that, you know, is pretty far along in their business and they're really just looking for an accountability partner. We know SCORE does a lot of that. So instead of spending our time doing that, we're going to match them up with the best SCORE um best member of SCORE that has that particular background, depending on what industry they're coming from. You know, so really looking at the entrepreneur, looking at our, um, the the service providers in our ecosystem and referring them appropriately. Um, So it's, it's part of our role is really staying apprised of that information and knowing um, what those um, partnering organizations are offering. And, and that requires us to meet, um, periodically. So one of the things that we do at Q is we have partnership meetings. So that's where, you know, the organizations come together. We talk about any events that we have coming up. We might discuss um, any RFPs that might be out there, uh, whether or not we plan to apply, whether or not it makes sense to go in it into it jointly. Um, and we also talk about um, any synergies that exist um, and it, whether or not it makes sense for us to offer specific workshops uh, collaboratively versus um, doing them alone. 
Yeah, there's there's really a growing ecosystem in the in the Rochester community, and and I think one of the things that often gets lamented, you know, in Rochester is that there's a lot of services, and maybe they're disconnected. So I first of all applaud you all for for really being collaborative. I mean, it'd be be a little bit silly to to see each other as as competitors, right? Um, so. Talk to me about who, who are the other organizations that are that are in that ecosystem uh, that, that you're collaborating with and what their kind of specialties are and how you work together. So uh, just a run through and, and uh, forgive me if I may miss some. So <laughs> come to my head, not to my heart. To um, so uh, we have uh, ESL, uh, Pathstone, the city of Rochester, Rochester Downtown Development Corporation, um, SCORE, uh, uh, the SBA, which, you know, uh, formerly they're, they're not a partner, but they're a supporter of our efforts. Um, and we also have um, the Urban League that we, you know, we've worked with in the past. Um, so whether or not there's a formal partnership that has, you know, that is there an MOU that exists? No, but there's an understanding and we all come together and, and we, we talk about what, what's going on in order to um, serve our entrepreneurs in our ecosystem in the most efficient manner. It's important that we alleviate the competition. So stop operating competitively, talk to one another, and ensure that whatever programs and services we're offering, our partner's not offering the same thing. So, you know, we look at it as a, a, a pie, and everyone has a slice of that pie, and each slice is different, but together we form the entire pie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, like one you mentioned is the Rochester Downtown Development Corporation, mm-hmm. right? I know that uh, you know Heidi Zimmermeyer over there is is really a, one of my favorite cheerleaders for Rochester. It's hard not to talk to her and get excited uh, about the direction that the city is heading. But what would be an example of maybe something that that they would offer that you might refer someone to them? You know that you don't have a have a service like like are they uh, what are their kind of specialties? So I would say their main specialty is relocation. You know, um, one of the things that that uh, Startup New York aimed to do was bring new business um, to our state. Um, So with that said, RDDC can really talk about the landscape that exists and the opportunities that exist for uh, new businesses to set up in our area. Yeah, they've got their they've got their downtown innovation zone, right? Absolutely. Trying to, trying to get some density here in, in downtown Rochester, which could be really exciting. And then you mentioned SCORE as well. So SCORE, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about what kind of folks are, are at SCORE and, and what kind of services they might provide. So at SCORE, you have a lot of people with industry experience. So um, how you have faculty that have the book knowledge, well, a lot of the SCORE members have both. So, you know, they have the book knowledge, but they also have the industry knowledge so they can talk to you from from both aspects which is priceless and their services don't cost us anything you know so to really go and get score mentorship um and the caliber of mentorship that you'll be receiving from those score members is i mean what what it would cost you if you had to pay for it would be a substantial amount of dollars that would likely be prohibitive uh to some of the population that we serve yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. They are uh, really an asset to the community and, and doing a lot of wonderful service. So it's it's great that, like you said, not 
trying to duplicate services, taking advantage of what's out there, especially when uh, uh, the price is right, right? <laughs> right. So, so that makes a lot of sense. The other one that you mentioned that I want to key on, because I think a lot of people that I talk to aren't really aware of what they do and what they provide is Pathstone. So mm-hmm. can you tell us a little bit about how you've worked with Pathstone and what their kind of uh, specialty is? So Pathstone's specialty is non-traditional lending, meaning that, you know, um, someone that might have um, a bankruptcy, um, who can't go to a traditional bank might be able to go to Pathstone and, and receive a, a small business loan. So that's what their specialty is. I mean, yeah, you're going to pay a little bit higher of an interest rate, but you have a second chance at really um, growing your business. Yeah. Yeah. That's always a, always a big problem for, uh, for organizations at, at, at any level, but certainly the, the, the urban entrepreneurs that maybe they've, they've got where they are on pure hustle alone and to be able to, to go to the next level, they, they need some of that funding and they, they need at least to, uh, you know, have a substantial amount to, to provide some, some level of, uh, of a cushion, I guess. Uh, so there's, there is this growing, uh, this growing element in Rochester of, of urban entrepreneurship. I know one of the other ones we, we've had um, on the podcast actually in the past was, was the Venture Jobs Foundation. So, so they have an accelerator program that you know, is intended for organizations that uh, you know, may not fit that typical high-tech, high-growth model that, that a lot of incubators are, are formed. So what would be the, the differentiation? Because I know that you've worked with them in the past. I know that you even you know, offer them space to run their programs. What would be uh, the right kind of business for their program versus for the capacity building program? How do you see those, um, those aligning? So the difference is that their um, participants can be in their idea phase. And as opposed to for the capacity building program, you need to have been in business a year or more. Got it. Okay. So yeah, if you're, if you're out there listening, you, uh, you have a business idea, maybe the, maybe the Venture Jobs Foundation, maybe their, their Jobs Kitchen Accelerator program could be, could be the right fit. If you've been around a little bit longer, you're looking to build in, in certain areas, uh, then you can, you can maybe check out the queue. But, but it sounds like anyways that uh, you can come in for no charge at all just to, to talk. And would they be talking with you or do you have a team of folks or, or who would they be talking to if they came in and are like, I've got a business. I want to grow, but I'm a little bit lost. I'm, you know, flailing about a little bit. Uh, how do they? How do they get that uh, direction? So they'll either talk with myself or our program manager, or both. Um, a lot of times, it's you know both of us um, participating in the meeting, um, and sometimes it'll just be the program manager, but they will have access to us. Okay, so so either way, they can come because I think in a lot of ways there are a lot of uh, organizations out there. And in some ways, you all are trying to act as that hub, right, of, you know, being able to refer them. So um, whether or not they might think that one of the other avenues is the right path, um, at least getting some consulting and getting your expertise on, on where to go next is a, is a powerful, uh, powerful first step anyways. Yes, it is. And I mean, what we're trying to do is alleviate um, entrepreneurs being um, – sent on a wild goose chase for services as they navigate through our entrepreneurial ecosystem, because that can be very discouraging. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you talked about the capacity building program. You talked about some of your workshops. How else has the Center for Urban Entrepreneurship evolved? Uh, you, remind me, when, when was it that you all, that you all started? So I had said we started the work uh, in 2014. Um, and we did not secure our own space until 
uh, September of 2015. We had our official grand opening to the public in April of 2016. So, okay. so yes, it's we're still. I would say we're still in our infancy stages. You know, um, really figuring out um, the best way to get the word out there um, when we have program and service offerings. Um, and really, I, I want to say probably the the most difficult piece is the commitment the commitment from the entrepreneurs. They come to us because they need help. But, you know, oftentimes, you know, business holds precedence, meaning that, you know, a lot of the businesses that come to us might be a one-man show. So if we're offering a workshop, but it's during one of their busy times, what what are they going to choose, the money or the workshop? They're going to choose to stay in the business and um, make that money versus going to that workshop. So really helping them figure out how to get that help that they need so that they can continue to grow and the business can continue to run is um, one of the most uh, difficult pieces. Um, So, you know, it's not like the resources don't exist in our area, but really getting the entrepreneurs connected to the resources. And then once they are connected, really getting them to understand the level of commitment that's required for them to get to the next phase. Yeah, absolutely. The, whether it's a whether it's a one person show or whatever the case may be, uh, it's it's difficult for all of us small business owners to stop working in the business, think strategically, work on the business, think about uh, you know not just running on the hamster wheel, but how to how to go towards growth. And so, uh, for those that are, are that are you know struggling and and coming to you, has there been anything where they've been talking where like, gosh, I I don't have anything in the queue to offer them, or maybe I'm not even sure if any of our partners are offering offering them. Are there anything that you've heard from kind of your informal market research and customer feedback and those consulting sessions that, that you think could be um, avenues either that you're working on or, or for the future, different different ways to, to better serve the, the needs of the community? So one of the things that we constantly do is um, assess the entrepreneurs that we're serving. So even just... Um, switching around the times that we offer um, certain programs and workshops and really, you know, just paying attention to what works for them because it's not about us. We're there to service them. So um, paying attention to their needs um, and what works for them is key. Um, so some of our workshops we might offer as a, a, a lunchtime series or a breakfast series or in the evening. And one of the things that we're going to be gravitating towards, as you know, that the capacity building program, um, we offered most of the workshops on Mondays because that's, you know, at the time it seemed to be the slowest day for, for most of the businesses that were coming through the program at that time. But now we see that a Saturday morning, might be beneficial um, to some of the population. So um, this next cohort, what we're going to do is once we secure the individuals that are going to come through that cohort, we're going to look at the times that work best for them and then offer the training at those times versus the times that we pick. You know, so we're really looking to see what works for them because, again, they're here to grow and by any means necessary, we want to be sure that, that that we can make that happen for them. And that means that we need to gravitate towards the times and dates that will work best for them versus what works best for us. Because at the end of the day, our job is to help them grow. Yeah. And it could be very uh, cohort specific, right? The, right? This one based on the industries exactly. and things that they're working on, maybe that Saturday morning works. And for others, maybe it's a nighttime or maybe right. it's, uh, you know, during the week. So, so being able to uh, respond and be a little bit nimble. To, be to flexible. Customer needs. Exactly. Great. Great. 
So tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, some of the entrepreneurs you've had. It sounds like you've already had three capacity building programs. I know you have other, other services. Um, how's it been going so far? Do you have any, anyone that's really um, stands out that's, that's been really successful and, and been able to grow? Uh, tell us some success stories. I think people would love to hear about that. So one in particular, we had a, um, uh, an entrepreneur that, and I won't, you know, put their business out here and, and, and give their names, but I will, you know, just share their story. So one in particular came to us initially um, with an idea to start a PR firm. And that client had nothing at the time. Like she didn't even have a DBA. So initially she came to us and said, this is, you know, the idea I have and I need to know what the next steps are. Well, how firm are you on whether or not this is what you want to do? She was very firm. And so the next steps were for her um, to get a DBA. Within a month, she had her DBA. Within a year, she had uh, so much business that she needed help. You know, it was beyond uh, her capacity to continue to operate the business um, as a sole. Well, she's still a sole proprietor, but she needed to get um, some team members on board. Um, And now um, she's offering additional services um, in addition to what she started with. So she has grown um, exponentially. Um, We had another uh, company that came to us that was a a cleaning business um, who never um, offered construction cleanup. Now, um, so initially this business was focused on, you know, offices and uh, small businesses just going in in the evenings or during the day and, and cleaning those offices. Um, now, um, this business wanted to add asbestos abatement. Um, so that means that the business plan needed to be restructured. And then um, he needed to be paired with companies that needed that work. So I want to say within the past month or two, he's secured his first client. And he's also... Um, redeveloped his business plan. So, you know, those are um, examples of two companies, one that came to us in the infancy stage and two that came to us as a business that had been around for a number of years, saw an opportunity, um, knew he needed help to secure that opportunity and came to us for that help and followed the directions that he was given. Um, When we gave him action items, he followed up. And so now, He's grown his business and um, can add asbestos abatement to um, his portfolio. Yeah, that's exciting. You know, I I think that... Uh, so, so often, I don't know, like I don't watch a lot of TV, but I love Shark Tank, right? And mm-hmm. so you come and you see somebody give this, give this great pitch and maybe they've got a really cool idea, but so often, not only is it the hard work that, that happens in between that, or you're mentioning like, okay, we give them some action items and we right. try to help them and consult, but at a certain point they have to, they have to do the work, they right? They have to and, do the legwork. And work. it's not always, uh, it's not always as, as fun. It's not always as, uh, you know, as as easy as they maybe make it look in a little segment on TV, but putting in the work, do, doing, uh, you know, following up, following through, sometimes even going and having some difficult conversations, you know, or maybe reaching out to potential customers. I mean, I'm sure with with that pivot, there's all kinds of conversations that need to be had around what the right pricing was and how to how to bring that into the business plan. So those pivots, uh, you know, sometimes it's not the original idea, but it's how can we use our expertise uh, to break into a new market and grow. Absolutely. 
So one of the things that I've, I've talked about quite a bit in the past is, is this idea of inclusive prosperity in Rochester. Uh, you know, some, some days you can open up the front page of the paper and it can be talking about all the wonderful business development going on downtown or a new company moving downtown or some great, you know, state money that we got for, for some new project. And then the next day you can be reading about some of the highest levels of poverty and, you know, these, um, the, the school district that's certainly, certainly really struggling. And I think that you're really at a, at a place where, where you're really part of that inclusive prosperity, right? Like sometimes it's not going to be the high tech, uh, company, you know, RIT certainly, certainly serves those needs as well. Right. But, but they're also taking on this, this broader vision of how do we create more inclusive prosperity? Because there's some people, you know, we need the, the barbershop or we need the asbestos abatement or we need the, the PR people. And even though that's maybe not high tech or scalable, um, it's something that can create wealth in the community. So, I, I'm just curious from your perspective, you know, I, I personally think we need this more inclusive prosperity if it's going to be sustainable for the long term for Rochester. Um, you know, these, these pockets of growth have to be more broad, broad re- reaching. Um, talk to me about just kind of that, that ethos in Rochester. What, what do you, in the, in the people that you're working with, the people that are coming to you, have you noticed any kind of changes over the course of the last couple of years in terms of um, how people feel like there's whether or not there are opportunities or increasing opportunities. What is kind of your perspective on the ground of uh, of Rochester and entrepreneurship? So one of the things you asked me how I've um, seen things change. Um, one of the things I can say that I've definitely seen change is the conversation. Um, the conversation um, of the people around the table that are offering these services. You know, initially it was, okay, high tech, high growth. Um, if they can do it over here, then this pocket of individuals can do it over here too. And and that's not comparing apples to apples. Because when you look at a lot of the high tech, high growth industry, um, those are opportunity entrepreneurs. They saw an opportunity. Um, likely they have a college degree or they might have family resources that they can tap into to get some of those skills needed to really produce a viable, scalable business. And then the other pocket over here, you have the necessity entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs that likely do not have a college education, entrepreneurs that don't have those or the ability to tap into those resources that can either um, help them uh, financially or even just educationally to really start and grow a business. So the conversations at the table have to come from 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 two perspectives. You can't just say, well, you know, high tech, high growth, if they can do it over here, you can do the same thing with this population. Access is different. Access to resources is different. Access to capital is different. Access to education um, is different. So those conversations have definitely changed, which has changed the service providings, which is why, um, excuse me, service providers, which is why we exist. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think one of the things when it is uh, a high tech, high growth company, and, and it's something that someone would be willing to invest in, you know, put put that capital into, uh, you know, that often comes along with it. You get not only the capital if you're able to convince them that you have a good idea, but you then get their their advice. You know, a lot of times these these investors are seasoned entrepreneurs, and so if it's not necessarily a business that's going to scale to the point where an investor is going to get 
some kind of a return, you know, with some of these businesses, they're not only missing out on some of the money that they still need, but they're also missing out on uh, on some of that that seasoned, you know, serial entrepreneur advice or that that investor advice mm-hmm. of people who have been there before and done it. And really, to understand the entrepreneur. Ultimately, you need to know why they entered the market. So did they enter the market out of opportunity or did they enter it out of necessity to, to feed their family because they were a dislocated worker, really out of a need versus out of something that they saw as a pressing issue and they saw an opportunity for scalable growth? Yeah, that's interesting when you're talking about the opportunity versus necessity. I've, I've heard you say that before, but um, not in a while, and I hadn't thought about it. But you know, with those necessity entrepreneurs or or folks that maybe want to break into entrepreneurship, are there ever folks that come in with some kind of idea, and either there's someone else in the community that's providing a similar service that you think they might be able to collaborate with, or you think, oh gosh, actually you want to start a marketing firm. I actually know a company who's hiring a marketing or wanting to hire a marketing person. Are there ever any times where um, you coach people or not coach them, but just show them that there's other opportunities that that maybe you know of outside of the entrepreneurial realm? Okay. So I got, um, I'm going to answer your question in two parts. So, yes. Um, so my role is not to encourage everyone that walked through that door to become um, a business owner because the reality is everyone's not ready. So you might need to take a step back if you want to own your own marketing firm, but you don't really have background in that. So, yes, then it, it makes sense for you to work under someone that does have that experience so you can learn the ropes. Um, now, the other part to that question is that... Um, you might have someone um, that that come into us, and it yes, it might make sense for them to, you know, work with someone. But they already have that background. They they have the skills. They have the heart. They have the passion. Um, they have a great I- idea that is definitely scalable but they don't understand the numbers. They don't understand pricing. So really pairing them up with someone that can help them with that is key. Um, I, I, I judged a business, a business plan, um, a business pitch competition recently. And that was the biggest issue amongst the contestants was the numbers. The numbers were not realistic. They did not understand how to develop a pricing structure that would, you know, provide growth. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so there's there's the the coaching element of that, and and you know sometimes you know hopefully there's there's capacity building program, there's mentorship, maybe there's score mentors, maybe there's some avenue in the ecosystem, maybe there's even you know a someone else that you you've been working with and they have a similar idea, maybe they could even work together. Um, so so there's definitely opportunities. I, I think you you provide a, a really broad spectrum in terms of just your your knowledge you know in the community of the institutions of the ecosystem for that uh for that advice for that connection and and so that's something that i think uh, and just a reminder folks that you know that that first consultation is there's no cost right evan there is no cost so it's uh you, you have nothing to lose um so tell me a little bit about what kind of challenges you face. You know, you've been around a little while. Um, what what kinds of challenge have you found, whether within the queue itself, you know, in terms of growing programming, um, or, or maybe just 
the success of urban entrepreneurs in Rochester in general? What kinds of what kinds of challenges are, are they typically facing? It sounds like sometimes it's the knowing the financials, but but what's keeping Rochester from really having a very vibrant, uh, you know, almost setting itself apart by the way that it can breed entrepreneurs uh, in the in the urban area? So one of the things that I feel uh, has uh, prohibited Rochester from really having that vibrant. Um, entrepreneurial ecosystem is something that most people may think is so simple, but it's something that we've never had. It's a tracking system. As entrepreneurs uh, navigate from one center to the next seeking entrepreneurial services, um, we had no way to track them other than word of mouth or the conversation that we would have with them. So one of the things that our partnership has been working to do is develop a a tracking system, uh, which that requires funding. Um, But what would that look like? It would look like uh, uh, let's say you were a service provider, an entrepreneur will come and meet with you and you offer X, Y, and Z um, services, but they also need additional services. You don't provide those, but you're going to refer them, let's say, over to Q. They come to Q. Right now, there's no system that I can log into to look at notes to see what you've already worked with them on. Um, So our goal is to develop a system that would do just that. So as entrepreneurs go through the ecosystem and we refer them from one organization to another, we have some way to track the progress. We have some way to pull a report at the end of the year and see how many entrepreneurs we served, um, how they've grown over the course of the year, what we've worked with them on, how many business plans were developed, et cetera. So um, I'm glad to, to, to share with you that that's something that, you know, by the end of uh, 2019, we will have in place. We've received some dollars um, from, a, from a funder. Um, you'll find out more um, after the first of Uh-oh, the year. breaking news, folks. <laughs> you'll find out more after the first of the year, but um, our partnership group is working on that, So, and that's something that I'm definitely looking forward to to um, provide a smooth transition as entrepreneurs navigate their way through our ecosystem and also to operate more efficiently and really be able to see the metrics, see where service gaps still exist, and be able to address them appropriately because we have the data in front of us. Yeah, that's really interesting and, and exciting. And and as you were talking, I was I was wondering, you know, we can't be the only community that wants to develop urban entrepreneurship, right? And some of these in the communities, in the neighborhoods, are there any tor- ty- types of groups, uh, you know, whether nationally or internationally, that kind of consortiums of similar organizations to yours that you meet with? That I meet with? No, but I do attend conferences. So um, most recently I spoke at a conference in uh, January, um, the United States Association for Small Business and Entrepreneurship. We refer to it as USASB. Um, And then I also spoke at uh, the Global Consortium of Entrepreneurial Centers, um, GCEC, which a few years ago we hosted that here locally. It was a a collaboration between RIT and U of R. Um, We did the GCEC conference here. Um, but I went to the GCEC conference. It was hosted in Chicago this year, and I, I spoke there. So really um, attending conferences where I have a, the opportunity to really put Q on the map, talk about some of the programs and services that we provide here, and really seeing what other centers are doing and um, seeing what works in other areas and looking at things that we might be able to 
um, implement here, something that's easily transferable, um, and also uh, sharing those ideas uh, with others and um, continuing those conversations based on um, networking. You know, so attending these conferences, uh, you know, it expands our network. Um, It allows us to build relationships with comparable centers and comparable missions and having conversations that might bring new and innovative ideas to our area in addition to um, sharing the information that we have here for them to do the same there. Yeah, yeah, sharing best practices. And it sounds like that tracking system could help take Rochester to the next level. Are, are there anything else that you're dreaming of on your wish list that you've seen at others, other cities doing that you think could be helpful? Um, developing a sustainable model. You know, a lot of these entrepreneurial centers um, – Philanthropic dollars are what allow us to continue to operate. You know, the staff might be funded by the institution, but as far as the program and service offerings, we're always looking for ways to ensure that we can continue to provide those um, without, you know, the entrepreneur seeing a break in that. You know, so part of my role is continuous uh, fundraising to ensure that our programs continue to operate. Um, So there's very few centers that have that um, sustainable model to where they have continuous funding coming through where they don't really need to (laughs) um, raise philanthropic dollars. Um, So in a perfect world, we'd have a sustainable model to where we don't have to focus on that every year and we could really focus on the programmatic efforts. Got it. So that, that leads into one of, the, one of the questions that I had was, um, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure money and donors would be, would be wonderful. I don't know anybody turning those down these days, but are there any other types of additional support you could use from the community? Uh, you know, are there, are there folks that you're looking for with different areas of expertise for, you know, mentorships or for coaching or for workshops or what, how could the community better support the Q? So we're always looking for help. We're always looking for new ideas. If it's something that, um, you see as a gap, Um, even as an entrepreneur, if you call us up and you say, you know, I've been looking for X, Y, and Z types of services, um, because we're not bound to any particular um, funding stream that tells us you can only do X, Y, and Z. And if it does not fall within the constraints of this grant, then you can't offer it. We don't have that. Um, So we have the ability to be flexible in our program and service offerings and uh, gravitate towards the the needs of the community. Wonderful. Well, somehow we're already running out of time, but I did want to turn it uh, to look at kind of your own evolution and development as a leader as well. You know, we've talked a lot about the programs at the Q. Um, There may be some people that are also really resonating with what we're talking about and and interested, but want to learn a little bit more about about Ebony. So is there there anything as as you've been coming up through your career? I know that you you started, um, you know, you you had a background at the Urban League. Uh, what what has led to your growth and development? Has there been any any mentors you've had along the way? Any books that you'd recommend or or programs that you've been a part of? So along the way, I will say um, I give my my the initial start of my career in in business development or um, business mentorship. Um, or business leadership, whatever you want to refer to it as, because I pretty much do it all. Um, I, I give credit to the, the Urban League. That's where I got my start. Um, my initial role in working with small businesses um, was um, 
at the Urban League where I was the program coordinator. Um, the initial role was Jefferson Avenue Revitalization Program. And that's where I, I guess I found my niche. Um, when I was laid off from the Urban League because it was the end of the funding stream um, that was used to fund my position, um, for a minute I was devastated because um, it was my first time getting laid off from a job. But it really allowed me the opportunity to... Uh, look for a new job that would become my career. You know, I love higher education, but not only do I love higher education, but I also love the opportunity that that next phase of my life and moving into higher education ultimately allowed me the opportunity to go back to doing what I really enjoyed, and that was working with small business. So the the Urban League of Rochester really opened up that door. RIT, when I moved into RIT, I initially started with the Saunders, I'm sorry, I started with the Kate Gleason College of Engineering. And there I was a senior staff specialist. It really allowed me the opportunity to learn the um, higher education system, learn how, um, learn the student information system, learn a lot about the student population and how RIT functions from um, an administrative aspect. Um, it gave me the opportunity to meet uh, people from different departments. That was in my initial role. Um, and then that me having the opportunity to meet people from different departments really gave me the opportunity to even find out about the Center for Urban Entrepreneurship and that initiative. So, you know, I've, I, I truly believe in everything happening for a reason and people being in your life for a reason, season or a lifetime. So there's really been people that have um, we've crossed paths that have ve- been very instrumental in my growth. Uh, Carlos Carbolato was one of those. Mm. Um, he's well, he was very instrumental in me becoming um, the director of the Center for Urban Entrepreneurship. He and I were on the initial uh, search committee for it. You know, we we did the search and um, we we didn't find anyone to to fill the role. So after that, I guess he went to the powers that be and said, you know, we oftentimes we're looking, you know, around the world for the best possible candidate. And sometimes they're sitting there right at the table with us, staring us in our face. And apparently he communicated that he thought that that was a situation at that time. And I'd be a great person for this role. Um, I did start um, on an interim basis, uh, June 1st, not sorry, um, July 1st of uh, 2018. uh, That interim was dropped from my title and I'm now the permanent director of Q. But I said that to say this, you know, um, when people believe in you, um, believe them and show them, you know, that you're going to do what it takes to make them proud and you're not going to let them down. So that was the case with me. You know, I, I'm, I'm very thankful for those people in my life that even, even Deb Stendardi at RIT, um, she's the one that nominated me, you know, for 40 under 40. You know, she saw something in me at that time, just like Carlos saw in me, um, that sometimes, we, you know, we don't see in ourselves. But um, I'm, I'm thankful and I'm grateful for those people that have been instrumental in my growth. My mother has always motivated me to do better and be the best version of myself that I can be. And um, that's the only way I know how to do it.
Wonderful. Well, we're certainly lucky to have the Center for Urban Entrepreneurship here in Rochester. I think uh, you'll all agree that we're definitely lucky to have Ebony at the helm. Uh, but Ebony, for those that are really interested, want to learn more, where's the best place to find you and or the Center for Urban Entrepreneurship to, to maybe get started or have one of those consulting meetings that we've been talking about? So we do have um, a website. It's um, www.rit.edu forward slash C-U-E. Um, and our contact information is on there. Great. Well, for those that are listening, there, there's certainly opportunities to, to grow your business, uh, take it to the next level. And maybe even if you're listening and you want to want to help out, there's there's probably ways for, for you as, as a community member with an area of expertise to, to offer your support to help grow uh, urban entrepreneurship in Rochester. Thank you, Ebony, so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. This episode is brought to you by Wicked Squid Studios, Rochester, New York's premier podcast development team. The Wicked Squid family brings ideas to life through the art of audio production. From custom jingles and creative services to studio memberships and educational curriculum, their outfit strives to empower all members of society to build a more equal and colorful world. Learn more about their operation at wickedsquidstudios.com.